When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry, And we got some good news. We got some bad news when it comes to Arizona men's basketball. Brett, where do we want to start? Let's start with the good news. Okay, the good news is Arizona is still number two in the country. Okay. Um, they have their health. Uh, they still have a chance to clinch. They're probably they, they're going to clinch the Pac-12 sometime this week. And they got a big commitment of Kylan Boswell, five-star point guard. Of right now the 2023 class, but there's also rumors he might commit or reclassify to 2022. So, yeah, there's some good things going on with Arizona men's basketball. Yeah, the big, uh, you know, it's safe, safe to say the biggest uh, commitment of Tommy Lloyd for a high school player, I think. You know, Dylan Anderson's the local kid, for high four-star for, for the 2022 class. Kylan Boswell, if I'm not mistaken, is the third highest point guard ever to commit by uh, recruiting rankings since uh, since since the ranking era behind uh, I think it was Nico Mannion and Mustafa Shakur for you know for whatever that's worth uh, but it got a kid who you know looks like somebody that anybody would be happy to have it basically came down to Illinois and Arizona and Tommy Lloyd pulled it out and shows that he maybe can recruit in-state and not just overseas. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Was, <laughs> one of the silly narratives that surrounded Tommy Lloyd was, okay, he can recruit European guys or foreign players. Can he recruit American-born players, American high school kids? And it, was, it always seems silly, but at the same time, until he showed he could do it, you had to wonder, right? Like, it's a fair... If that's the worst thing you had to worry about, then you're doing pretty well. And, of course, Tommy Lloyd, here's a kid who has been prepping in the Valley in Phoenix area. Um, was down there for an official visit when Arizona was playing Oregon. He was there for game day and for that just great game. And to see that just the sold-out McHale Center had to help. But, yeah, Kylan Boswell is the number two point guard in his class, a number 11 player, according to 247 Sports, in his class. So this is a really good get who seems like the type of player who fits what Tommy Lloyd wants to, just based on everything I've read about his style of play. But, yeah, if nothing else, I think he's more like a snowball type of player in that as he, like, okay, they got this one, and then there's going to be like, okay, more and more will come because before the season started, we're like, well, they just need to win, right? When people see what Tommy Lloyd's offense looks like, they'll want to come. Well, Tommy Lloyd's offense looks pretty damn good, and now you have one of the first dominoes to fall that, yeah, here's a high-end recruit who could have gone pretty much anywhere, chose Arizona. Yeah, and I think there's it, it tells you maybe something about what the expectations are for, you know, any remaining sanctions that the IARP may put down on the on the program, um, potentially that somebody has the confidence to come in there. Uh, 
you know, I think was it Debonair Dutrieb was the one that kind of broke that dam a couple of years ago. <laughs> I think it was Brandon Williams also, but Dutrieb yeah. was one of think, them. Yeah, I think he I think he was the first one that uh, remained or or committed. Um, the the reclassing uh, question is an interesting one to me if you think about it from a roster composition perspective because he'll be relatively young for his class if he does reclass to come in next year, and you still have you know Kirk Carissa playing point guard and. Kirk Carissa has played off guard uh, before, and Tommy Lloyd's system maybe can accommodate a few guys, especially somebody that's maybe young for his age, even as a highly rated point guard. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's an interesting thing to think through. Um, But, you know, if Arizona's not going to have potentially that many spots open next year without some some unexpected departures as well as some expected ones, you know, I think think it's safe to say Ben Matherin is leaving. Uh, Probably. As when you're a lottery pick, you, you pretty much have to go, um, you know, and then, then, then I think you go up and down the roster. I don't think Kirk Carissa's going anywhere. I'm not sure Dalen Terry's shown enough to leave early yet. Tubelis could go play pro somewhere. Coloco could probably get drafted if he decided to leave. Yeah, but Coloco and Tubelis are probably not uh, blocking Boswell from getting minutes on the court unless no, they want to go real no. small. But just in terms of how many roster spots may be open, someone like Boswell, I think what you're getting at, Brett, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that he could slide in, play a big role, and honestly displace anyone like a Kirk Risa who could play off the ball. And even Boswell could play off the ball, too. It never hurts to have multiple guys who can play the point guard position for you. Sean Miller was trying to do that with Arizona before he was let go. And it seems like Tommy Lloyd has a lot of guys who can bring the ball up the court, too. We've seen it with Kirk Carissa. We've seen it with Kyer. Dale and Terry can do it. Tubelis brings the ball up the court, and Matherin as well. It doesn't hurt to have multiple guys who can do that on the floor at the same time. Yeah, and and Tommy Lloyd's system does not require one ball-heavy facilitator, I think is, is really what it comes down to. Dale and Terry ends up playing kind of a point-forward situation all the time in the way the offense gets initiated or creates plays for other players, right? Um, and I think Kylan Boswell is going to be a guy that can help maintain the tempo, and even if he's a little bit young for his age, or for his class, not young for his age, that would be just his age. <laughs> um, you know, if he's if he's uh, if he's maybe a little bit physically immature due to that, you know, if Kirk Carissa is still there, if some of these other guys are still on the roster, that means maybe he doesn't have to be relied upon for 35 minutes a game immediately. But also, if you're a you know top 15 nationally ranked player, you're probably expecting heavy minutes early. You don't come to a school like Arizona to sit on the bench. No. But it's 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 a it's a very exciting commitment, and it it just shows you know maybe the floodgates are going to open for Tommy Lloyd in terms of recruiting, especially if the IARP comes down and those sanctions aren't too bad. It's it's going to be all good things going forward. Oh, it'll it'll be game on, right? Because if Tommy Lloyd has shown that. Now, granted, this is the benefit of a pretty stacked roster he inherited. Even though the guys he brought in, Paolo Larson, Umar Balo especially, have played really well and played key roles for this team. But like Tommy Lloyd has shown he can coach. He's shown his system can be enjoyable to play in. Right? It's fast-paced. They score points. Guys are going to get theirs if they play this system right. And, of course, they're showing they can win. Now, Arizona beat up on Utah. That was nice. And then lost to Colorado. And... <laughs> It was the type of game where we'll stick with Colorado because now they're following that up with USC and other, the last of the shoehorn games, the COVID makeup games that Arizona kind of got hosed with in terms of scheduling is on Tuesday, March 1st. But Arizona's lost to Colorado, their third of the season. It didn't drop them in the AP poll. They're still number two because pretty much everyone in the top 10 lost, which I think, like, it kind of, once it happened, I'm like, man, if Arizona would have won, they would have been number one in the country. 
since Gonzaga <laughs> lost. But I think what it shows you is that it's really hard to get through a season unscathed. And Grand Arizona already lost twice, but on the road, senior day, against a Colorado team that's pretty decent with the altitude and just Arizona was okay in the first half and just got boat raced in the second. They played poorly. Colorado couldn't miss. And Arizona lost. Like, I want to be upset. I wanted to be like, come on, how could you do that? But also just like, yeah, they're fine. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I think I think the really telling thing is going to be how Arizona responds to this loss on the road. It's hard to win on the road. For some reason, it's really hard for Arizona to win on the road in Colorado in recent years. Yeah, I mean, and Colorado, that- the same thing. They lost by like 25 to ASU two nights earlier. So everything makes sense. <laughs> yeah, and I, 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 I'm curious to see how the team responds because you've got an ostensibly much tougher matchup against a considerably better USC team on the road. Allegedly, uh, USC announced that it's going to be a sellout. We'll see how many people show up to an, an L.A. college sports team game that's late 8 o'clock local time, 9 o'clock our time. That sucks. Like, I hope Arizona wins because I'm going to wake up to that. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna try to be uh, optimistic and hope to watch it. Uh, but if I'm really optimistic, I hope Arizona is blowing him out by 30 at halftime, so I can comfortably go to bed. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. It's. You know, it's. It's something that it's gonna. It's kind of bound to happen. You know, we talked about it in the last couple of weeks that Arizona was gonna be favored at every game the rest of the way, but we didn't necessarily expect them to go undefeated the rest of the way. You know, hopeful, but not likely, especially with some of these road games. I think we all would have thought that USC would have been the most likely one. And now now my, my question is, does this kind of regain Arizona's focus when they go to USC in what's going to be a tougher matchup? And it, does this does losing to Colorado increase their likelihood of, of winning at USC in your mind? I don't think it hurts in that. I don't think if Arizona was to lose because they just got outclassed, that's one thing. They're not losing these games because they don't have as much talent as their opponent. It's everything about them. And not to take away, Colorado played well, especially in the second half of that game. They did. But if Arizona plays well, they beat Colorado by double digits. Arizona did not play well. And you can point to, I mean, they couldn't shoot the ball well in this game at all, especially in the second half. You know, Ben Mather didn't score in the second half. And that's to credit Colorado. But if you're near Arizona, I don't know if it's a focus issue, but whatever it is, I imagine they come out against USC feeling like they have something to prove. And they could win the Pac-12 with that win. They, they beat USC on Tuesday. The Pac-12's over. Like, they clinched it. So, like, there's a lot on the line in this one and a team that they might see in the Pac-12 tournament in the later rounds, too. So, like, I don't know if it's a focus issue. I, I, I struggle with that. It's like, it looked like they were playing hard. They just weren't playing well. And that's going to happen. It happened to a lot of good teams over the weekend. And the fact that Arizona got to this point with only two losses, two losses that you could easily excuse or make, you know, be like, yeah, okay, fine, whatever. This one, Colorado definitely needed to beat Arizona. Arizona just needed to get past Colorado. There's probably a little bit of that, and I do think, to your point, Arizona goes to USC with a chance to clinch, like, to clinch the Pac-12. They'll probably a little bit more than they did against Colorado and Boulder. Yeah, and, it, and at this point, if Arizona goes into USC and wins that game, no matter, not even handily, in my mind, the number one seed is basically already locked up and maybe the number one overall if Gonzaga loses another game or two which right? isn't likely but it's not likely but that's a that's another strong win for Arizona's case if not if not just to lock up the number one seed but also in what in what region and and where you at amongst the number one seeds so you see who you get paired up with right um and that's going to be something that matters I think for for this Arizona team you know the the, the thing that most concerns me when I look through the box score Adam is 
You know, we've talked about how good their, the assist-to-turnover ratio for Arizona as a team has been all year. Largely, that's a Kirk Carissa, Dale, and Terry, and just the fast-break offense. You know, at the Utah game, it was right on their average of one-and-a-half to one assist-to-turnovers. Against Colorado, it was the exact inverse. And some of that's missing shots, but still had 16 turnovers against Colorado. But how many times did they had 16 turnovers and 25 assists? Like, to well, me, yeah. the issue wasn't the turnovers. It was they couldn't make a shot. <laughs> well, when they only forced 10 turnovers and Colorado had nine steals, that's, you know, some of those are forced turnovers. Some of them are not. Yeah. But, you know, the, the stats tend to tell a story, right? Um, and it's hopefully it's just one of those stinkers you can move past. I don't think it was, you know, all the unreasonable panic for losing that game was quickly calmed when, what, seven of the top ten teams all lost and Arizona remained the number two ranked team in the country in the AP poll this week? The people who panicked the most are the ones who still don't believe in this team. Because every time there's like, oh, is that a sign that there's something wrong? Are these things to be concerned with? And yes, turnovers are not great. We've talked about that. Yes, their free throw shooting can fail them. But watching this game, even the box score, you look at it and you're just like, you know, Ben Manner's not going to shoot three for 11 most games. Kirk Reeson might shoot one of six. That's actually kind of standard. But Coloco, one of five. Tubelis, four of ten. Arizona was not making buckets in the way they, they scored 63 points. Like, this was not even close to Arizona's average offensive effort. And the question would be, did Colorado shut them down? And I don't think Colorado shut them down as much as Colorado played a good game. They did what they wanted to do, but Arizona was not playing well enough to get past that. If there was a case where Arizona just couldn't handle Colorado, I'd be more concerned. That wasn't this. There wasn't anything that Colorado threw at them they hadn't seen before they couldn't handle. They just missed shots. Yeah, to be to be fair, Adam, for the pan- fans that were panicking, you're saying don't necessarily have they're looking for, you know, reasons to not be confident in this team. That's from years and years of conditioned training as being Arizona Wildcat fans that we yeah. assume the worst. But that's what it is, right? They they've lost three games up to this point in the season. If you look at them and said, Yeah, they're the number two legit, the number two team in that country, or even say just top five, then a road loss to Colorado on that trip doesn't really be like, Okay, it happens. <laughs> like you could afford to lose that game. There's they've shown enough, but if you want to be like, Oh wait, Maybe this is the thing. Maybe this is the thing that'll be on film that other coaches will be able to look at. Like, what? Get Arizona to miss shots? We knew that. <laughs> well, look at look at look at how conditioned we are, Adam. Uh, we we lose a game to Colorado, and we're spending more time focusing on that game rather than. And, and you mentioned Kirk Carissa shooting one of six. We're just gliding past that he had a triple double against Utah. Well, you're only as good as your most recent effort, right? But that, but that's the point, right? Arizona played really well against Utah. Now, Utah is not any good. But Arizona dominated that game. Chris had a triple-double, which is just insane for a point guard. Made seven threes. <laughs> he has it in him. But but I think that's the point with Arizona. Like They are as good as their ranking. Like, I don't know if they're the, when I say I don't know if they're the second-best team in the country. I don't know who has the best team in the country. I don't watch enough of everyone else to know. But I just know Arizona doesn't lack for anything. Like They can have an off night, and this is what happens when they just can't make a shot, but they don't lack for anything. They can shoot. They can create turnovers. They can take care of their best. Well, they can rebound. They can play defense. Every now and then they won't do one or two of those things, and then they could lose. But it doesn't happen often. It's only happened, what, one time, maybe two if you want to count the UCLA game when they were just supremely tired? <laughs> yeah, they, one of the one of the other times that they were playing three road games in six days, as we that doesn't augur well for USC tomorrow night on, uh, or I guess tonight for those those of you that are listening on uh, as we're recording on uh, February twenty eighth. Yeah, I mean, I think to that point, Adam, I, like we've talked about it, I just I think people are still comparing great teams of modern college basketball with the team great teams of like twenty years ago, where there were clearly a handful of dominant programs. 
and that's that's just not college basketball today with all of the roster turnover and just the way rosters are constructed it's not the same thing right yeah you have you have a handful of teams that you know build build the the, the the their talent like Villanova did a few years ago where they had a bunch of juniors and seniors and I think Providence is doing this here and then you have Kentucky who does the opposite Arizona's still relatively inexperienced I think they have some of the least amount of experience uh, you know of of any of the successful teams it just feels like maybe the the roster has grown a little bit but most of our experienced guys are what sophomores juniors at most yeah. um you know they're still playing a lot of young guys that haven't had postseason experience and so it's it's something just to remind ourselves of that if you're comparing yourselves to the you know the dominant teams of the nineties where there were teams that would go, you know, 32 and one, there'd be four or five of them. That's just not modern college basketball. And so, yeah, being 25 and three at this point in the season, that's a really good record. And we should be, <laughs> be we should be feeling very comfortable with it. And plus Arizona's passed the eye test for the most part, but at the same time, do they still have some bugaboos Do they still have slow starts? Sure. But everybody has some type of chink in their armor. And it's just a matter of if Arizona can keep working through it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, kind of mentioned earlier, Arizona has a chance, and by the time you listen to this, by the time we're podcast next, I expect the Arizona Wildcats to be Pac-12 champions. So, Brett, let's take a break and talk about what that could mean for this program. We're back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0, and Brett, the Arizona Wildcats are going to be Pac-12 champions this season. They are picked to finish fourth in the preseason. We're like, yeah, okay, that seems fair, but they're... They're going to win the Pac-12, either by beating UC or USC on Tuesday or winning the games that they need to against Cal and Stanford. Stanford, like They're going to be Pac-12 champs, and that's you know, that's not bad for year one of the Tommy Lloyd era. Yeah, unless, unless disaster strikes, uh, Arizona should have this all but sewn up. Um, you know, does it mean, I, I think it's safe to say that Tommy Lloyd in year one uh, is gonna is got to be the front runner for Pac-12 Coach of the Year, if not National Coach of the Year, probably. And I and I don't, you know, there's a lot of the discussion of, you know, is it how many guys he inherited versus, you know, guys he assembled versus his coaching. And I think the thing that's very exciting to me, and we've talked about it a bit over the course of the year, is the in-season development that this team has even seen between Umar Balo going from a guy who did not look like an offensive threat for the first what month of the season to now being, you know, people are wondering if he's almost even a, uh, at times he's a more reliable player than Christian Coloco, right? <gasps> I know uh, what, you know, it's uh it's, I know it's, I, I can't believe I'm saying it myself, Adam, but Marbalo is just a, a thicker seven star recruit compared to Christian <laughs> Coloco. Um, you know, but even look at, uh, Kirk Carissa, over the course of the season, he's had his ups and downs. He looks great against Utah. And some of that, as we've seen the last couple of weeks, is his shot selection's gotten a little smarter. But you also see Tommy Lloyd sticking up for him and saying, you know, like before that deep bomb three a week and a half ago that basically sealed the game um, against Oregon, you know, Tommy was like, if you got an open, you know, he's he said that he told him to shoot, you know, if he's got an open look from 30 feet away. And that's part of the swagger and that's how you manage personalities. And I think Tommy Lloyd's done a great job of that and still seeing the in-season development. Combine that with, you know, hopefully the dam breaking with Boswell commitment. Uh, hopefully the cloud emerging from the IARP. And if once those floodgates open, 
uh, I think we're we're very comfortable in the in the direction of the program and very excited to see what this team does in March because I don't know who is going to really give them the toughest matchup. We talked about it in uh, you know a week or two ago with the the mailbag, but this team is can match up with anybody and that can be a, a couple of different styles. And so, no. you know, if they get hot, I don't think they can be beaten. If they run into a buzzsaw, sure, but that can happen against, you know, that can happen against Colorado once in a while. No, I think what they've proven, like this will be the first Pac-12 title since the 2017-18 season, which we all know ended very poorly, <laughs> very suddenly, too. But Arizona was not supposed to be Pac-12 champs this year. Even the most optimistic Wildcats fans, I think we were probably fairly optimistic, didn't see this coming. Now, did we underestimate the talent that was on hand? Maybe. Did we under- underestimate what Tommy Lloyd's system could do with the talent that was on hand? Absolutely. And it seems to be such a perfect marriage. And like, it's, it's kind of like how when Sean Miller took over and he got that recruiting class of all the former USC guys, Derek Williams, you know, Momo Jones, Solomon Hill, commits, like that kind of jump-started the Sean Miller era. It kind of feels like this might be the fact that Arizona got off and running, like no pun intended or in a literal way, but also just the Tommy Lloyd era, they didn't skip a beat. They took steps forward. It looks like now granted we'll see what happens in the tournament. But that could be the springboard to Arizona having another one of those types of runs that we saw when Sean Miller got here, right? Because if he doesn't have that first class with the Derek Williams group, they get to the Elite Eight his second season. Do, does Arizona get the recruiting classes they, were, they began following that with? I don't know. Well, Tommy Lloyd now having... Pac-12 title in his first season. <laughs> he took over someone else's roster and turned them into a Pac-12 champion that's going to be a top one or two seed in the NCAA tournament and has a legitimate chance to win a national championship this season. It does feel like that could be... I mean, it could be the beginning. It's the beginning of something, right? But the fact that it's been so good so soon, I think bodes really well for the future now. It also sets an expectation because now it's like, wait, you won the Pac-12 in your first year? Okay, keep doing that, and it's hard. You got to give them credit for that because, like we were saying, where we kind of gave Arizona a pass for losing to Colorado, to get to twenty-five and three is very difficult. To have just two losses in the conference at this point is very difficult, especially considering the way the schedule got a little bit wonky on them with some of the teams having to postpone their games due to COVID issues. So Arizona's fought through that, and and a lot of guys, like you mentioned, have gotten better to where you look at this team, where they're not. I don't know if they lose. It's like, what is the type of team that's going to beat them? And I'm not sure what type of team Arizona can't match up with, but it's just going to be Arizona having an off night shooting the ball where they shoot like 32%, 33% from the field and turn the ball over 15 times. Then they can lose, but it's not going to be because they're not big enough or they're not quick enough or they're not athletic enough. They have everything they need to win. They just will have to play well to beat good teams. Yeah, the, the team that most concerns me that I think can just physically impose some will on this team is Baylor because I think we see what they did against Gonzaga last year and they have a lot of the same kind of guys and same kind of athletes and you know a, a more finesse offense can get thrown off their game a little bit you know I'm, I'm taking the uh, Arizona fan condition to take the pessimistic side once in a while uh, inevitably Adam but um, I think and, don't you think though Arizona has the athletes that maybe Gonzaga did not have last season with certain guys like a Ben Matherin, like a Dalen Terry, like a Christian Coloco, and Umar Balo down low, Azulus Tabellis. Like, there's a little bit of a difference, I think. Now, yeah. that Gonzaga team was really good. I'm not saying this year's Arizona team is better than last year's Gonzaga team. But we see the system, but it's being run by Arizona-level athletes. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll make a weird triangular argument 
or just leave, leave myself and our listeners maybe in a place of confusion. I think Gonzaga this <laughs> it's year... It's the Wildcat Radio 2.0 way. <laughs> I think Gonzaga this year is better than Gonzaga last year with Chet Holmgren. Yeah. But I, I, but I think Arizona matches up better with Gonzaga this year than they maybe do physically with Baylor. I.e., I think Chet Holmgren can get... I think he's going to run into a buzzsaw that is Christian Coloco, who has the length and athletic ability to kind of neutralize him, him on the offensive end uh, that I don't think other schools have. But the question is, I'm not sure if Arizona has the ability to handle the athletes that are a little more physical. I think the closest thing we've seen was the UCLA game and, the, you know, when... And even the Oregon game a little bit when the when they they tried to get a little I believe Tommy Lloyd against after the Oregon game said they were trying to get handsy, which I'm not sure he knows the definition of handsy, <laughs> um, but he, he's basically saying that they were there's a lot of subtle you know physicality that can happen in a basketball game, um, and I'm not sure if Arizona has quite the maturity to know how to adjust to that quickly enough against a team that I think is maybe even bigger and more physical or more handsy as it were. But I think I actually am more confident against, of Arizona against Gonzaga than I am against Baylor in a weird way. But wait, so what, are you trying to say like Arizona would beat Gonzaga, Gonzaga would beat Baylor, Baylor would beat Arizona? Is that where you're going with this, I, or is I, it? I, are you I, just saying Baylor would beat both of them, and it's going to be the Baylor I, national champs again? <laughs> as you framed it, I think is what I'm. That's my that's my kind of hot take right now, which is a weird love triangle or anti love triangle, as it were. I, no matter what, if Arizona gets to play either Gonzaga or Baylor in the tournament, that's a win for the Wildcats. Not like they'll win the game, but like they'd be a Final Four or national championship game by the time they'd play either, play either until, of those teams. Until they put until they put Baylor as the two seed in our bracket. <laughs> <laughs> but think of the storylines from that. That'd be fun. Anyway, we Arizona's still the one, a one seed, the number two one seed, the number two seed overall according to the people. So it's you know. Their loss to Colorado didn't hurt them so much. Now, granted, if they lose to USC, if they trip up against one of the Bay Area schools, if they only if they don't win a game in the Pac-12 tournament as the ones who, like, things could change because they are kind of in that group of teams that, you know, they all have a few losses, two to three losses, you know, maybe two to five losses. There's a lot of teams, and you can make a case for who should be the top teams. But no, I think until we I'm trying to think of the teams that Arizona has played that be most close like yeah UCLA but there's also the game UCLA just you know Arizona beat them up pretty good in Tucson and we could say Oregon Arizona still had their way offensively with Oregon <laughs> yeah so they had, to, it's, they, had to, they had to earn it a lot more against Oregon than sure, they do against but they teams. were able to do it yeah you know it's not like Oregon was able to frustrate them to the point frustrate them to the tune of 84 points in that game so it's not like Arizona's offense was shut down. Like Colorado held them to 63. That's why I say like that was more Arizona because the teams that you think they may could they could give Arizona trouble, they really haven't in that regard. So that's kind of where I, I, I want Arizona to play Gonzaga. I want Arizona to play Baylor. I don't know who wins that game. I just know that if they get to that point, it's a last weekend of the tournament type of game, and that's where you want to be. And 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 uh, to go, to go back to your point of if they get to that point and setting perhaps unreasonable expectations. I can't help but think when you're comparing to, to Sean Miller's second year with that, making the Elite Eight run, where if Jamel Horn hits that shot and he goes to the Final Four, does, how much does that have a butterfly effect for Sean Miller's future? Is is this success... Go, it, if Arizona doesn't make a Final Four this year, or let's say next year, does after, after having such a good start to his run, does this set Tommy Lloyd up for unreasonable expectations and kind of that long, slow grind and the monkey on the back that Sean Miller had? Oh, God, yes. 
Only, only Tommy Lloyd doesn't have the time as a head coach like you and Sean Miller had at Xavier. You know, it would be just his first year, his second year, his third year. But even then, that Sean Miller team, I think they were, what, a five seed that year? A four or a five seed that year? They weren't exactly a favorite. They just had Derek Williams, who was a monster. This team's going to be a one seed or a two seed, probably a one seed with not just one single player that they're relying on. And, like, what happened is, like, that team lost Derek Williams, and then they had no size. <laughs> and Momo Jones left, too. This team doesn't, it might fall off a little bit next year, but we've seen some of the recruiting class they have coming. Maybe Kylan Boswell, a part of that. There's no reason to think that they're going to be, maybe they won't be Pac-12 champs, number one seed good next season. There's no reason to think they won't be competitive and one of the better teams in the conference once again. I mean, there's a there's a realistic scenario where Arizona is the clear favorite and they don't lose that much off the current roster and they actually have a lot of guys stick around and develop another year. You know, Tubelas, Dale and Terry and Christian Coloco and Omar Balo all come back. Along Carisa, with Carisa, yeah. You know, add, add, add Dylan Anderson, Kylan Boswell, you know, Adama Ball. Powell Larson's there still, Powell, I would think. Yeah, there's, there's still going to... It's There's still going to be plenty of talent. Um, I think, you know... One one thing that Tommy Lloyd could have if he if he can make a Final Four this year, I think that earns him a lot of goodwill for a long time that Sean Miller never got because he never could quite get past that Elite Eight hump. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it remains to be seen if if Arizona's an Elite Eight team for the next two years and they and then they get beaten in an Elite Eight game, then I start to get a little concerned about what <laughs> that kind of monkey on the back starts to feel a little heavy do you think tommy lloyd we don't know enough about him right he hasn't struggled he's only been head coach for all of 28 games but do we think he has the same person that miller because miller was just like this i think they're both intense play coaches like i don't think tommy lloyd his persona isn't as fiery as miller's is but i do feel like that fire burns within him but do you think he'll feel the pressure the same way that miller did Good question. Like, hopefully it doesn't I'm, come to that, but if it I'm, did, yeah. yeah. I am of the mind that Sean Miller and Tommy Lloyd are so much more similar as leaders and in their focus than people realize, and it's just because Sean Miller is prickly on the outside and Tommy Lloyd is, you know, that gosh golly, uh, you know, persona, which I think is genuine, just like I think Sean Miller's prickliness was genuine, and I think they, they both care incredibly deeply. I think they're very focused you know i used to joke with people that said i would say that sean miller would step over his mother to get to a final four um i'm not sure if tommy lloyd would do that he'd probably help his mother up first but i think he (laughs) has the same determination um you know i i think the one thing we've seen from the little bit of adversity that arizona has experienced this year in certain games the way tommy lloyd as a leader has reacted to it and handled it has been incredibly impressive that reminds me of how how Sean Miller would um, kind of focus his team and and defend his team and be very thoughtful with how he would use public comments as a way of messaging to his team. Mm-hmm. I think he and Tommy Lloyd really share that. Um, you know, I think it's I think it's more of it's a question of if if it comes to that. I think is your point is if it comes to that, can Tommy Lloyd handle that pressure? I think he can, and I think bluntly. I think him being such a gosh darn nice guy makes it easier for him to brush off some hard questions at times, <laughs> more than Sean Miller was gonna was ever gonna get. You know, you know, from the from the especially from the Tucson media, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's just the way. It, you know, those kind of things matter, and it makes it it makes the reception of those answers that that tonality different, if that makes sense. 
I think it does. And you know what? The best way for Tommy Lloyd to avoid all that is just have this team win the national championship this season. Because no, that's a that's a really smart strategy, Adam. We should do that. Yeah, you know, I if coach wants to come on and talk to us, we could go over that with him and just say, like, hey, we advise winning a national championship this season. And then you have to worry about the, you know, coach who's never made it to the Final Four. Could you bring a national title to Tucson? Because you have done that. So, like, yeah, yeah that, that'd be <laughs> fine. Hey, Coach Tommy Lloyd, Wildcat Radio 2.0 has a 17-point plan to guarantee a national championship this year. Number seven may surprise you. <laughs> but, Brent, let's take one more break. When we come back, there is another basketball team with, the pro- like with Arizona that was expected to contend for a national championship. And for a while this season, it seemed like they would lately. Maybe not so much, and let's talk about it. Welcome back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0, and Brett, we've talked a decent amount on this show, I believe, about the Arizona Wins basketball team. We're big fans of Adia Barnes and the roster that came back this season. Um, Yeah, the last couple of weeks have not been kind to them. They got to a great start. Of course, Arizona lost to ASU in Tempe in a very close game, came back, beat the Sun Devils, beat Washington, and then lost at Washington State another close game, which the biggest loss in that game wasn't even so much the game, but Kate Reese hurt her shoulder. And Arizona just got smoked by UCLA at the McHale Center and, of course, bounced back on senior day to beat USC. They're still doing okay. Like They're, they're a tournament team. They're 20-6, and six, but they don't look like a team right now that's playing its best basketball. Yeah, I think I think you hit the nail on the head. The Kate Reese uh, separated shoulder injury seems to have taken a little wind out of their, their sails, taken away a little momentum, and it showed up on the court. Also, just because she's a darn good player and a pretty strong source of offense mm-hmm. for this team, uh, and also just you know a pretty good all-around player with a lot of size down low and a very versatile player. Uh, you know, I I think the 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 they there there's the final selection committee preview as it were as they tease who's going to get the rose and i think they had arizona as a three seed mm-hmm. which after having lost you know two of their last three games i it's hard to it's it's hard to be upset about that no it's understandable <laughs> um yeah and i you know i still think the upside for this team is tremendously high i think they need to use the pac-12 tournament to a hopefully get healthy and get kate reese back i think there's a possibility she comes back before and the to season what is capacity over. we'll see yeah, to, yeah. We'll we'll see how that goes. I don't think you can count on her being back at all, and certainly can't count on her being a hundred percent right away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so we'll see how that goes. You know, it, it's it, but if there's one thing that this this team knows how to do, it knows that's how to how to earn its victories, as they've proven the last couple of years, even when they've been the underdogs and and maybe not had people believing in them. So look out, uh, women's college basketball. You've got Arizona's got got you right where we want you, where you're starting to doubt them again. Yeah, oh, for sure. And hopefully they can go on another run like they had last season, maybe get one more bucket to finish things off. Um, other sports we have we can talk about, baseball and softball started. Baseball especially, Chip Hale. I know I have I had my doubts about Chip Hale, and I still do, but I think our doubts aren't so much with can he coach a team, is he passionate, but can he recruit, right? Arizona is off to a fantastic start this season under Chip Hale. Uh, they are 7-1 and one through eight games. I, Let's not talk about that one because that one was rough. Yeah. Okay. So that they're seven o seven o and o in games that they've won. So <laughs> and their their run differential in the season after that one makes it not look as good as their record does. Coming off a four game sweep of Milwaukee, and when you look at this roster, like we knew they'd have talent. 
Like that was never a question. It's always been one. You got to get the most out of it because it's a very, very talented roster. Taking a step back, we had talked to Michael Lev a couple weeks back. It's like, yeah, they should be good. Like it would be a bad sign if they weren't. But does taking advantage of this roster, if they can win and go get into the postseason and do some things there, does that help Chip Hale build that recruiting class? Right. Kind of saying we talk with Tommy Lloyd if he does that, the snowball thing. Chip Hale needs that too. Getting off to a start like this doesn't hurt. No, it's it's uh, aside from the GCU debacle, uh, you know, so far so good. Um, we'll see how how that goes throughout the season. You know, Chase Davis has made a uh, Michael Lev's call out of being a guy that was going to break out, look very accurate. He's been making some highlight real defensive plays, just hitting the ball real hard. Yes. Uh, <laughs> looking like the guy that uh, everybody kind of hoped would take that big leap and was on a, you know, on the bench for the most part last year. Everybody said, boy, he's real good. But then it was <laughs> a question of who are you going to take out to get him more playing time? Um, and he's, he's, he's taken those opportunities and, and lived up to the expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, so far so good. We'll see as the season kind of progresses, uh, you know, I'm not sure how much you can take away from the uh, Milwaukee, I believe, as you pronounced it. That's no, not... it's, uh, it's Algonquin for the good land. Ah, I see. Uh, I don't know why when I pronounced it, it kind of sounded like I had a French accent. <laughs> um, you know, how how much you can take away from that, I don't know. It's it, it's so early in the season, I'm not sure anybody quite has figured out exactly, you know, who's particularly good, who's particularly bad, and teams are figuring out who their players are, who their, you know, their third starters are in the rotation, who's what their roles are going to be. I think Arizona's still working through that, but so far, so good. Yeah, over on the softball field, Caitlin Lowe's squad, not as good a start. They are 10-4. and four. Uh, They've lost some of their some bigger games. They lost to Kentucky, who was number 16 at the time. They just got smacked by Oklahoma. Um, we'll see. Like, 10 10- Ten and four isn't bad, but there's really high expectations for Arizona softball, even with a lot of what they lost because they brought a lot back as PJ Brown informed us. But Brett, another one I think final note of good news we haven't had a chance to talk about. Arizona football recruiting. They got themselves a quarterback since we last potted, right? Braden Dorman. You know uh, what this yes. this CBS HQ thing I'm really enjoying because every time I'm told to watch them for a commitment, Arizona gets the guy. So I'm really enjoying that. Tune in to CBS HQ to watch because it happened with him, happened with Kylan Boswell. But for Arizona, you know, the idea is to take a quarterback per class. Like, that's what you want to do no matter what. And now you look at what the future is. Like, Delora, who is probably the guy this season, who I guess he could leave after this year, but maybe he's a two-year guy. You have Fafita. You have Dorman, who's a four-star quarterback from the Colorado area. Like, they're starting to get, I mean, I say starting. Arizona's recruiting has been very good, and it continues to be good. Yeah, and Braden Dorman, I think, is the highest-rated quarterback that Arizona's had since Khalil Tate. Granted, a lot of schools didn't recruit him as a quarterback, uh, and maybe for reasons. But, you know, big, tall, you know, classic kind of pocket passer has, you know, has the arm to make all the throws. Uh, a true four-star, you know, top 250 on 247 sports rankings. Um, and a guy who, when, when he was committing, uh, some other top targets, uh, like there's the one of the top tight ends of the state of Arizona, I believe his name is Klopfenstein. Uh, sure. If I'm pronouncing it correctly. You know, he gave the eyeballs emoji, uh, literally the moment he had, uh, that uh, <laughs> Dorman announced. Um, you know, the, the, the reason why you always want to have a, a quarterback commit early is, well, one, every quarterback wants to line up, or everybody generally wants to have one per class, 
right? Um, unless you're ASU and you just don't know if you're going to have a quarterback next year. <laughs> um, you know, you don't know if you're going to have a recruiting class next year. Uh, but also then they can start to line up the people around them that they can recruit these guys at seven-on-seven seven tournaments and that they know nationally through the mm-hmm. recruiting circuits. And having a top 250 quarterback uh, coming in is not going to hurt Jed Fish's chances on uh, on the recruiting trail and maybe some more CBS HQ things that'll make Adam happy because I I think I wonder if I wonder if Jed Fish is, you know has contacts there and says hey guys maybe we should get some publicity on this announcement yeah I don't know how it works out I don't know how it gets out. I just feel like every time I've tuned into a possible Arizona commitment on CBS HQ Arizona has got to come like oh this is fun keep doing that like I'm enjoying this I think Sterling Lane was a CBS HQ guy um, like. Boswell, uh, Dorman. So, like, yeah, it's you look at what Arizona football has done. It's still a long way for this next recruiting class, and there's still a season they have to play, right? Like, we went through this last year. Like, oh, they're getting all these guys. Can they keep them? Well, they showed they could keep them with a one-win season. Of course, the expectation is a much improved Arizona team, and it makes you wonder, similar to how we figured once Tommy Lee showed that he could win with basketball, how many guys will sign up to play for that? Well, Jed Fish can start winning with Arizona football with an NFL-style system with what they have you know, building here, then it'll be easier to recruit, like to recruit even more, right? It's good. Shouldn't it be that hard to get more and more talent to build on what they've done once they show that they can win with what they've got. I mean, if, if they can maintain the level of recruiting that they have done in the last 18 months, they're going to, it's almost impossible for them to not be significantly better than Arizona football has been in a number of years. Yeah, you know so. the, the the downside is the inverse could be true, where if they come out and lay a bunch of eggs and you know have a twenty game losing streak with all of this talent, then it raises other concerns and questions. But you know, I I, I don't I'm, I don't think we're at risk of that um, with the the level of talent and athletes that Arizona is bringing in, and Braden Dorman's just the next one in 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 line. Yeah, for sure. So other news: Arizona football spring practice starts on March second. And then it picks up again on March 15th. So Spring break. <laughs> yeah. So that means the practices start this week. And probably if you listen to this show, they'll probably start spring practice and they get a couple of weeks off and then they really get into their spring practice. Very exciting. Uh, culminates with the spring game on April 9th in Tucson. But the roster's going to look altogether different, right? The players who are going to be getting the first team reps, the second team reps, there's experience from last season, and just a whole slew of new players, high-level players who are going to be on the field for the Wildcats. Very exciting springtime for them. I cannot wait to see players get on the field, even in spring practices and even just those highlight videos, because the talent level upgrade is going to be dramatic. And I'm I'm curious to know if, uh, if Gronk and or Teddy Bruschi are going to make a return for this year's spring game. I think I think somebody a few weeks after Gronk set the record for that football drop out of the the helicopter, somebody broke it. So maybe he needs to go and re-break the record. Yeah, the farther the higher up they get, though, is there something like momentum or something? You drop an object from really high up, like it'll just go through Gronk, and he'll die. Nothing can go through Gronk. Mm, you drop that football from high enough, I, I think, and he might. There's something called terminal velocity. Adam. That's what I was going for. Terminal velocity. Yes, it's like if you drop a penny from the Empire State Building or something, right? I don't know if you understand how terminal velocity works. I clearly don't. It means it stops accelerating and it reaches a max speed, so therefore it doesn't matter how much higher you drop it from. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. I believe you. 
I have no reason to doubt you. So with that science note, we can wrap up this show, everyone. <laughs> Once we get to physics, Adam, we should probably call the show. <laughs> That's a good sign as any. <laughs> uh, we appreciate y'all listening. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ, especially during games. There's a lot of fun commentary. And also when there's recruiting news, there's often a lot of fun commentary with that. Of course, you could find us on iTunes, on Spotify. If you do find us on iTunes, subscribe. Rate us, review us. We'll read that review on the air, on the show. Um, But, yeah, we'll catch you all next week. And until then, remember to bear down. Bear down.